It's Jesse. If you're hearing this, that means my limited edition capsule collection for Joe Fresh is out now. <laughs> In select stores and at joefresh.com, I designed matching pieces for the entire family in a really fun, bold checkerboard print, including a baby romper, toddler and kids dress, a kids t-shirt and short set, a shirt for men, and the cutest women's linen short set that you will live in all summer long. Every piece is under $35 and warning, you will get compliments wherever you go. Shop it now before it's gone. This week on Phone a Friend. Everything that happened at Beyonce's Renaissance Tour in LA. I know because I was there. No big deal. It's casual. What else? <laughs> Hot Divorce Summer has left a Jonas Brothers single. Kanye West is in his BJ's on a boat era. And I phone former child star Allison Stoner, who tells me the shocking truth about being a young actor in Hollywood. I just want to tell you, this is what's actually happening behind the scenes. Thank God I'm not stuck at Burning Man so I can record this all-new episode. It starts now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Girl, let's phone a friend. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Phone a Friend. I'm Jesse Crookshank. And if I sound a little bit different today, it's not because I got a head cold mirror days after my children started back to kindergarten. It's because I have been forever changed by Beyonce. Okay, after what I saw at the SoFi Stadium on Friday night, I will never be the same. There was before Renaissance Jesse B B R J. I almost said DJ, <laughs> which actually works with what we're talking about coming up in the episode. And then there is after Renaissance Jesse A R Jesse. I'm a new woman. I'm just I'm a poorer woman, but I'm I'm a new woman. And with me as always, laughing it up in the BG is the same old man, Jason, my producer. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Unrenaissanced. Unrenaissanced. You are BJ before, oh, BRJ. Right. Before Renaissance, Jason. You didn't go. I tried to get you to go. You were my first ask. I know. My cheapness took over. Can I tell you what I did? Because I, I, as you know, I'm also a cheap, thrifty woman. <laughs> yeah. 
But after, you know, on this show, I mean, I have talked, my poor phonies have heard me say over and over again how much I want to go to this concert. And so I took the advice, literally, Jason, of our divorce lawyer who told me to spend the money on concert tickets because to quote him. Life is about the accumulation of memories. Life is about the accumulation of memories. Do you remember when he said that? Mm -hmm. It hit me. Yeah. And last week I thought like, Right? I've been sitting here having FOMO all summer. Era's FOMO. Renaissance FOMO. I thought it's time to accumulate some fucking memories. So I said, fuck it. I'm going. I'm going. The divorce lawyer told me to go. Now, obviously, all three L.A. shows were sold out, but thousands of those tickets were bought by, like, bots, right? And then they just all go on third-party resale sites. Yeah. So I was, like, watching the tickets all week long. On Monday, there were two amazing seats for $800 each, which compared mm-hmm. to the other seats, which were 1200 2000 mm-hmm. 3000 I was like, this is a steal. You said, no, you're out. So I call my friend Destiny. She's like, I'm absolutely in on Beyonce. I said, for $800? She said, absolutely not. Because she's a (laughs) rational human being with her priorities straight. Also, because she knows what's hot on TikTok. So she sends me all these videos of TikTokers going to Renaissance shows without tickets and then watching ticket prices drop on these third-party sites and buying them for, like, nothing right as the show starts. Now, in my prime, I would have had the zest... The zeal, the give no fucks attitude to do that, but I can't. I'm an elder millennial, okay? I have, like, childcare to worry about. I have a toddler to breastfeed. I can't just take off to Inglewood at 5 p.m. with a hope (laughs) and a prayer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, we need to find the middle ground. So Destiny watched the tickets all day long on Friday, day of the concert. And slowly but surely, our $800 tickets start to drop at 3 p.m., she FaceTimes me. She says they're $400. And I was like, oh, get them, wow. get them, right? Yeah. That's a, like, I know we're, that's it's, great. our mindset is completely skewed, but that's a great price. So I said, get the tickets. She says, no, I'm going to wait. And I was like, I'm sweating. I'm holding, like oh, wow. shaking, holding my drag lashes. Not sure if I'm gluing yeah. them on or taking them off. Like what a this gamble. concert is hours away, right? 4 p.m., They dropped to $250, and she's like, we got to wait. And I was like, I'm not waiting any longer. You got to get them. So we get the tickets, $800 seats, $250 each, popped on those lashes. We were at the stadium literally, Jason, two hours later. Perfect. It worked out. So you feel better. Like the parking was $100, the merch was $150. It was an $800 night. Oh, what merch did you buy? Oh, I got a Beyonce, oversized Beyonce t-shirt with like a full Beyonce, sexy Beyonce shot on the front. <laughs> okay, it, cool. It actually, I'm more like excited so, about the merch. She's so large scale on the merch. It actually looks like one of those shirts that you get at like the beaches of Miami where it looks like it's your body. Okay. Just looks like I have like the cleavage of Beyonce, right. but it's me. Do you know what I mean? It's a Trump toy, if you will. I should have got you merch. You're out here getting me Kiki Palmer merch, and I didn't even get you a Beyonce t-shirt. Next time. Absolutely next time. And it was like, this is what you would appreciate, because we talked about this after going to the Barbie movie together. It really did feel like I was part of a cultural moment. And I'm not saying that to make anyone who did not go feel bad. I'm just saying, like, 
I feel like post-pandemic, coming together for these big events has changed. Yeah. Everyone in that stadium was wearing silver, like head-to-toe costume silver, Jay. Like assless chaps and beaded moo-moos <laughs> and sequin cowboy hats. Like the Amazon carts were full. There was some couture. There was a lot of ad to couture. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Should that be the title of the episode? I actually think it's, it's not bad. Thank you. <laughs> um, it was like so many people wearing things that you knew they had ripped out of like a plastic bag from China five hours prior. Yeah. I did not. What did you wear? I had 30 minutes to put together an outfit. I have this like cool black bustier. It's basically like a f- bra situation. <sighs> I did baggy jeans and then I had cowboy boots with silver buckles. Mm-hmm. So I leaned in from the bottom. Okay. But it didn't matter, Jason. <laughs> Everybody was just there to be happy and be part of it. Everyone was like complimenting each other and dancing together and like yeah. taking pictures of each other. It really felt like this safe celebratory space. That's what I love. I know, really. For $800. For $800 to just dance. It didn't even matter that I had a bustier. I was dancing so hard, it was like around my waist for most of the show. Just nipple out. Do you know who did not get the dress code memo? Who? That I spotted from our seats. We were like just below in the 200 level, just below the the private boxes. So I noticed there's like this white guy standing almost alone in the box, not a lot of people in the box, wearing a blazer. And I was like, that person looks vaguely familiar. I zoom in with my camera because I'm a creep. And it is Prince Harry. (laughs) Prince Harry. Which you know, Jason, because I sent you creepy photos um, from the concert that yes. you could barely, you could Such barely make out who it was. Such a good sighting, yeah. And then I was like so distracted by Beyonce, I could, I hardly watched him, which is unlike me. How was the concert? It was, it was, it was amazing. Worth every I mean, penny. Of course. Well, this is just like, this is an icon living. I feel like, come at me, phonies. I feel like Beyonce is the greatest live performer of our time. I do. One of, yeah. Uh, 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 who else? Well, Taylor okay. Swift, songwriter, singer, not necessarily performer. Sure. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I'm saying like comes out, like dances, sings live, swag. Costumes, lights, smoke, fire, video. Lights, smoke, fire, video, Jason. Uh, <laughs> all of it. The snatch. Like this person was so... The the looked so incredible. It it's like you're not watching someone who's not even human. And I will say that it's there's a lot of Beyonce being Beyonce, not a lot of Beyonce being human. Like you get like one Los Angeles, but that's the only (laughs) improvised moment in the show. There's no like casual banter between songs. This is a tight set. You know, it's like three hours. It is taught. Although at one point. Insider, oh my God, just because I was there at the show, I can give you some insider information. Okay. At one point, a little teleprompter came up at, for when she was doing All Up In My Mind and she all the lyrics were scrolling oh, for her song. on the teleprompter. I know. Mm, not really an alien superstar like we no. thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is not. Do you know who kind of is though? We got Blue Ivy, Jason. We got yeah. Blue Ivy. There's always the question when you go to a rally, like Toronto didn't get Blue Ivy. She didn't have her passport. We got Blue Ivy. 
And we also got DJ Khaled who opened and he like brought out Wiz Khalifa oh. and he brought out Lil Wayne and no one oh, got what? the applause. Oh yeah, I didn't even Blue hear about Ivy. that. No, right? Like no one even posted Lil Wayne. Blue Ivy, I've never seen anything like it. 60,000 people screaming for Blue Ivy as they did for Beyonce. There was no difference between the enthusiasm for Beyonce and her 11-year-old daughter, like, thrusting on the stage. Wow. Imagine. Imagine. Actually, you know what? Interesting thinking about that in the context of my call today with former child star Allison Stoner, who will really make you think about famous kids in a whole new way. Yes. She has been, like, making news everywhere for this podcast she just started. She's exposing what's really going on with child actors in Hollywood. It's, I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with the pod. I can't wait to call her. Okay, we digress. I'm just saying it was such a fun, memorable night. Thank you to our divorce lawyer for making me go. Life is about the accumulation of memories. And I really thought, like, yes, I experienced the Renaissance tour, and I will never be jealous about other people going again. And then two days later, the Renaissance tour became Beyonce's birthday concert, and suddenly I'm jealous that I wasn't at that. So (laughs) let me fill you in on what I missed, what we all missed. It's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah. While us basic people were celebrating the Labor Day long weekend, famous people were celebrating Beyonce's birthday long weekend. Her final show in Los Angeles was on her 42nd B-Day. And in case you, like me, were not invited to celebrate in the VIP, here's who was. Stars in attendance included... Adele, Lizzo, Zendaya, Tom Holland, Kelly Rowland, Katy Perry, Tyler Perry, Nicole Richie, Kiki Palmer, Carrie Washington, Alicia Keys, Cynthia Erivo, Kim Kardashian, Chloe Kardashian, Penelope Disick, Northwest, Chris Rock, Chris Jenner, Corey Gamble, Kendall Jenner, <gasps> Kylie Jenner, Timothee Chalamet, Jeff Bezos, Lauren Sanchez, Haley Bieber, Vanessa Bryant, Winnie Harlow, Quinta Brunson, Katy Perry, Lupita Nyong'o, Heidi Klum, Nicole Richie, Tracy Ellis Ross, Taraji P. Henson, <gasps> Jenna Dewan, the cast of Selling Sunset, Jody Turner-Smith, Karamo Brown, Lucas Gage, Frankie Grande, Sophia Bush, Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, DJ Khaled, Vanessa Hutchins, and Meghan Markle. <gasps> Again. <clears throat> At one concert, Jay, in one section, if God forbid... In one section. Something had happened to that stadium. I mean, all culture, music, film, television, and Amazon.com as we know it would disappear. As our queen once said herself, sometimes shit goes down when there's a billion dollars in a VIP section, okay? And shit went down. I would like to just break down some of the shit, a few of the headlines that went down in those three hours. Okay, first, after months of rumors and pictures of cars entering driveways, and remember that weird grainy picture at a park? We can finally confirm that Timothee Chalamet and Kylie Jenner are together. I actually don't know if that's an air horn sound effect, a large crowd applause sound effect, or I gave it a slide whistle. Does that work? Okay. Yeah. Sure. I don't know why. French, Timothee. There are tons of pictures of them kissing and canoodling, and perhaps most shockingly, smoking. Jason, you saw this video? Yeah. I thought the same thing. What? That was the most shocking part of it. The the smoking. Thank you. 
the most shocking part is Timothee is just casually smoking like a giant cartoon cigarette in her inside. face. In her face. And I, I wasn't even, I didn't even notice it was in her, her face, but you're right. Like absolutely blowing it out in her face in this secure indoor venue in 2023. I mean, what? If I had whipped out a cigarette in that venue, I would have been arrested on sight. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Were security guards just like, nah, bro, he's the new Willy Wonka. It's cool. Like what? Right. What? Gets away with it. Gets away with that. You can do anything in that VIP. Also, can I just say this? Seeing them together really confirmed for me that he's just like a 27-year-old dude. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah. I think because he's this, you know, he's in like Academy Award winning art films and he wears backless vests to con. We put him in some elevated category in our minds. But sorry, he's just a bro who's into smoking and boobs. And in the VIP section on Beyonce's birthday, he appeared to enjoy both. Very much. Ooh, do you know who else was, like, possessed by the sensuality of Beyonce? (laughs) Our girl, Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer, best known for designing my Kiki Palmer Scandal merch, or the aforementioned Mm -hmm. merch, also made headlines for going to the Beyonce birthday concert with her man that caused the scandal. Jason, Back together after he publicly shamed her for looking too hot for a mother at the Escher concert. And we all thought she took her baby and left him and made merch on the way out. And then we purchased that merch, or you did, for my birthday. (laughs) A month later, he was out with her at the Beyonce show. Apparently, he's just fine with how hot she looked there. And I say, it's Kiki Palmer, whatever makes her happy. Okay, you don't feel let down by her decision. No. Always, you're we bought merch gonna... off of her because of this. We bought scandal merch from her. Do we need a refund? We sh- <laughs> we should ask for a refund. We thought it was like fuck you. I don't need a man. I'm yeah. gonna be a strong, independent mother. Merch, and we supported that. And now that we know she's gone back to him, I support any woman. Any mother who makes the best choice for them and their child. And if they have worked past this, then I support her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm all for like a, I don't need a man, Ariana Maddox plot line. Yeah. But when there's a kid involved, I think if you can make it work, make it work. Agreed. Okay. Finally, there were headlines about how unhappy my boy Prince Harry looked at the concert. I didn't notice this in my, like, zooming in on my iPhone, but actual news headlines included, quote, Harry looks miserable at Beyonce concert, quote, Prince Harry appears bored at Beyonce concert, and quote, actual headline, is Harry being held hostage at Beyonce concert? Oh, my God. I think he was like, yes, he was checking his phone a few times. The problem was the blazer, okay? You can't wear a sport coat. To Beyonce, unless you're wearing nothing but rhinestone pasties underneath. You feel me? (laughs) Yeah. It's a no. It's a no. Plus, what I did notice is that they're in this big empty box with literally four other people, including her mother. Like, your beautiful bodies can't be grinding up in that club, graining, graining on that wood out there in the open with your mother-in-law. 
You need sweaty, drunk people around you to really let go, you know? Like, you need me dancing with a bustier around her waist, like, beside you to just drop it like a thotty. But Harry wasn't able to, you know? The blazer is restrictive and the setting wasn't right. Megan clearly agreed with me because... Days later, she went back for the birthday show, this time in the VIP, just inhaling that secondhand Timothee smoke like you should be at a Beyonce show. So that's all that we missed. Okay, that and an incredibly moving speech that Beyonce stopped the show to deliver through tears. It was the first time she appeared human in years. And for those of us who didn't go to the birthday show or, God forbid, went to the show two days before the birthday show, (laughs) here's a little bit of what we missed. I'm thankful for all of you guys who have been with me. I'm thankful for every flaw, every stretch mark, every fupa. Yeah. <laughs> I thank you that I'm here at fucking 40. She's fucking 42. And couldn't you, didn't you think like she almost forgot how old she was? Like a true elder millennial. She was like, I'm fucking 42. Oh, is she considered millennial? I love that. Oh, no, no, you're right. You're right. She's on the other side of the cutoff. Oh, Oh my God. We're so young compared to Beyonce, you guys. (laughs) What? She's in a completely different category. I don't even know what it is. It's so old. Anyway, she is fucking 42. She's an icon and a mother and a fucking living legend. Do we have to move on from Beyonce now, Jason, my producer, or can we just bask in this <laughs> Maybe we'll circle back end of episode. Forever. Okay, we'll circle back. What's next? What's next? Ugh, it might be September, but hot divorce summer rages on. Hot divorce summer. This is a sad one. Joe Jonas filed for divorce from Sophie Turner. No! After listening to my podcast, I presume, you know, he knew this summer was the hottest summer to do it, and so he slipped that filing in just before Labor Day. This one really hurts because they have two young daughters, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, because I have close friends who know them well, who were at their wedding, who have always, you know, talked about how in love they are. Also, because they were so fucking cool together. Right? Like, they were sort of this unexpected match. He's an American bubblegum pop star. She's a British prestige television star. Physically, I love that she's taller than him, and I support all gangly, pale redheads. They just, like, don't really make sense on paper. But then when you see them walking the streets of New York City in wacky vintage hoodies, like giving the middle finger to the paparazzi, you really felt like they were meant to be. You know? Did you feel sad about this one, Jay? Yeah, I don't follow them too closely, but I like agree with you. They were so cool. So and you obviously cool. don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but like they just seemed so, you know, individual, but like a perfect match and like mm-hmm. or like, the, like opposites attract in a way, like you said. So Yeah, they were also kind of funny. They would like post funny. Yeah. Sh- I love a funny couple. Hot. I love any couple that gives like Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively comedy energy together. True. True. They had that. And hot. So now that I know all about, like, our divorce lawyer is really, he's changed me as a person. It's like, it goes like Beyonce and then just under her, it's (laughs) James Sexton Esquire, divorce lawyer. Because now I feel like I understand all this shit better. Like, he filed the papers saying the marriage was irretrievably broken. He's not asking for anything. The prenup is in place. Like, 
he says that's cool. But now the narrative is that he's been looking after the kids while she's off partying and drinking. In the official paperwork, it does say the kids have been residing with him at home and on the road as he tours. So, like, ooh, that might be the case. He's probably been with the kids more. But I don't think it's a fair assumption that it's because she's off partying. I think that's a misogynist narrative because she is a woman who's been photographed on a few occasions out with some red wine and like suddenly the story is she's ditched her kids to party. I just, I don't think that's fair, you know? And maybe it's the other way around. She's doing that because the kids are with him, so she can do that. Right. Like on Friday night when Evan was like, I'll watch the kids, you can go to Beyonce and I drank two canned margaritas and like almost couldn't walk. It's the same energy. Like when you get a break from the kids, you got to go hard. And that's what I also think. This is my theory. I think that if you get married fast and young and you're not 1000% solid as a couple before having kids, children will tear you apart. It's not partying and drinking. It's three-year-old and one-year-old, okay? Or maybe the three-year-old and the one-year-old have driven her to the partying and the drinking. Like, that's just the natural order of things. Having young kids while you're navigating two careers and travel and ups and downs, it's just really hard for anybody. You know, and think about this. They met when she was 20, had her first kid at 24, her next kid at 26. It's totally logical that she may have just woken up one day covered in milk and spit up at 27 with her husband away on tour and thought, like, what is my life? Because I've thought that. And I'm a grown-ass elder millennial. And you don't get, like, Danielle Jonas vibes from her. You know, she's not like a Jersey girl who was born to be a Jonas wife. She's probably just trying to figure out who she is as a mom and a person and in her career. And I think that's fair. I think that happens to the best of us. And as I like to say on this podcast... Sophie and Joe, truly, I wish you well. I wish you well. Oh, 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 oh. I wish you well, baby. Yeah. I'm wishing that I'm wishing you well, baby. I'm, I'm wishing you well. And footnote, Jason, having seen the Jonas Brothers perform live last year in New York City, oh. I can confirm that Joe is the hottest Jonas. When did you see them? I saw them at the Global Citizen Festival. Oh, in okay. New, wait, do, do you scoff at that? No, I just don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, as an ambassador for Global Citizen, I Got was it. able to go to the Global Citizen Festival at, in Central Park. It was like Charlie Puth and the Jonas Brothers played back to back, and I've never been hornier. I'm not unexpected. One. Joe Jonas. Confirmed, confirmed hottest yeah. one. I thought it was Nick. Always thought it was Nick. Sorry, Kev. Always thought it was Nick. <laughs> but then Joe had these like tight little bell bottoms on and he was just working the stage. And it is confirmed. The hottest Jonas is definitively Joe. And he's now single. Ladies, gentlemen, he's single. What's next? What's next? I would like to begin this segment with an apology. A phone a friend apology. I believe on this podcast, I promise not to talk about Kanye West ever again. But I'm sorry. What do you expect me to do when he's photographed getting a blowjob on a water taxi in Venice, Italy? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just move on with the show like that didn't happen? I will not. I cannot. You deserve better phonies. 
And so I'm sorry, but we have to discuss. Kanye and his wife, question mark quotations, his wife, Bianca Sensori, were vacationing in Italy and photographed. Okay, you've seen these photos, Jason. <laughs> yes. Definitely Allow me seen to describe them, them uh. for, uh, for, for perhaps a phony who has not. He is on the back of a river taxi with his pants down, his bum exposed, and she has her hands on his thighs and her head buried in his lap. And it's not like a sexy driver roll up the partition situation. There is no partition. This is out in the open, in plain air, broad daylight, midday, with a water taxi driver feet away just steering the ship and there's people dining by the shoreline and tourists are riding by on riverboats and gondolas. It is the least sexy environment I've ever seen. Now, since the photos and videos have been seen around the world, police are investigating the situation, questioning the driver of the ship and asking photographers and witnesses to hand over images or videos of the incident. This is a real thing, according to a Venice police source, quote, the images show West with his trousers down while the couple is clearly in a state of intimacy. <laughs> oh, my God. The offense is being investigated and punishable by administrative sanction. For a second, I was hoping they would say death. What is that? Is that, what's, is that just like arrest? I don't even I, know. They probably like fine him. You know, I, who knows? It doesn't sound very threatening. And then you have a woman... <clears throat> Elisabetta Pesche. We, you know, we have a we have an Italian audience on phone a friend, so I want to get it right. Else, uh, one, it's that just to clarify, one listener from Italy <laughs> <laughs> who has left a voicemail in the past. Elisabetta Pesche, counselor for public security in Venice, told the press, "Without any shadow of doubt, what we saw from the couple was a lack of respect for Venice, which is the most enchanting city in the world." And she's not wrong. And now the most enchanting city in the world is forever tainted by one of the most abhorrent men in the world getting blown on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Although some might argue that an open-air BJ is a sign of enchantment. You know, she was so enchanted by the city, she fell to her knees. Maybe. <laughs> some. Some. <laughs> At the time of this recording, the Kanye investigation is still open. And likely so are his pants. What's next? What's next? Oh my god, I missed I just realized I could have written so many jokes about cannolis. Like I re what a missed opportunity. <laughs> she was just enjoying I can't. She was just yeah. enjoying a creamy cannoli. Too much? Too much? Too much. Let's move on. It's making light of a, a terrible situation. It's making light of a literal police investigation. A crime, really. Shame on the city of Venice. Sorry, I just have to Google um, phallic-shaped Italian pastries for the next time we cover the story. On to a less enchanting city, which is not even a real city. It's called Black Rock City. It's a, quote, temporary community in a Nevada desert 
where Burning Man is held each year. Now, I understand Burning Man is like a lifestyle. It's just not my lifestyle. So when I saw all these headlines about it this past weekend, I was like, oh, it rained in Burning Man, and then I went on with my weekend. And then I found out that this was an actual disaster happening at Burning Man. Somebody died. I realized I knew nothing about Burning Man because I'm dumb and busy. And when I feel dumb and busy, I assume you, my loyal phonies, might be dumb and busy too. So I did a deep dive into the mud so you don't have to. Ooh, dumb and busy. Okay, so here's what happened. 70,000 people were trapped in the middle of this desert because of intense rainstorms. Event organizers told the people at Burning Man not to evacuate, to just stay put in the mud and conserve food and water until the roads dried and were safe to leave. So now it's like fire festival all over again. Or Lord of the Flies, like these people are just told to stay in the muddy desert. Either way, very not for me. Then I realized up until now, I don't actually even know what Burning Man is. Like, do you? Top line? Just, yeah, Top like line. you said, people yes. dancing in a desert with it's like glow sticks. <laughs> I don't even think it's glow sticks. I think it's like burning wood. Yeah. Something of the sort. <laughs> something of the sort. And listen, when I don't know what something is, I ask Alexa. And when I asked Alexa, she said this. Burning Man is a week-long large-scale desert campout focused on community, art, self-expression, and self-reliance held annually in the western United States. Thanks, Alex. Burning Man as defined by a robot, which I'm pretty sure is what the organizers uh, would want. Absolutely. A week-long desert campout focused on community, art, self-expression, and self-reliance. I mean, good to know. I thought it was just people doing drugs to dance music with sand in their butt cracks. But hey, maybe it's both. Still very not for me, but no judgment. Upon further research on Wikipedia, I also found that Burning Man has no headliners or scheduled performances. DJs just play when they feel like it. People stay in tents or RVs. There's no bars. There's no shops. There's no money exchanged. People have to exchange goods at their campsites if they need something. So it's like, here's my used chapstick, Jason. Can I borrow your Wi-Fi <laughs> password to post my OOTD? That's what it is. Uh, and people take the fashion very seriously. There are no Amazon.com purchases for Burning no, Man. No, definitely not. No, it's like we got It's like Mad Max meets Cirque du Soleil. Okay, and at the end of it all, everybody gathers around a large wooden sculpture. So this can can confirm not glow sticks. <laughs> a large wooden sculpture that's set on fire, hence the name. And then they just watch it burn, and I assume dance around it. <laughs> is this for you, Jason? No, not for me. We should start a new segment on this podcast called Not For Me and just highlight <laughs> yeah, things idea. happening in culture that are not for us. That's okay. There's no judgment. Yeah, but... You know who it is for? Paris Hilton goes every year. Elon Musk. Diplo was there this year. Davina from Selling Sunset. Cultural tastemaker. Davina. <laughs> 
goes to Burning Man every year, as does Mark Zuckerberg. Chris Rock was there this year in the mud. So to circle back on the organizers telling the Burning Man people to just stay put until the land dried, um, I mean, honestly, maybe it was just their dream come true, since Burning Man is all about being stranded in the middle of nowhere, having to be self-reliant anyway. Again, finally, very not for me. Let's introduce a new jingle now. I actually paid our voiceover artist with a used friendship bracelet to record that, so thanks to him. What's next? What's next? You know what else feels like being stranded in the mud in the middle of nowhere where only the most self-reliant and artsy people survive? Working in Hollywood especially as a child star. I have been obsessed with this new podcast, and it takes me a minute to, like, let a new podcast into my circulation, but this one caught my attention right away. It's called Dear Hollywood by former child star Allison Stoner. Speaking from personal experience, Allison's podcast is all about exposing Hollywood and why countless child stars, I mean, Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes, Britney Spears, Aaron Carter, are all set up to fail. Since launching a few weeks ago, it's the most talked about new podcast. It makes headlines every week for the shocking things exposed. And here on this podcast, I like to go beyond the headlines. I like to go right to the source as the news is breaking. So let's phone a friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. I'm phoning Allison Stoner, who's been working in Hollywood nonstop since seven years old, appearing in over 200 TV shows and movies. You'll definitely remember Allison as that dancing kid with the pigtails and the Missy Elliott videos. Allison recently reunited with Missy and danced on stage at the 2019 VMAs. This former child star has seen it all. And safe to say, there's a lot to talk about. Hello? <gasps> Ooh, that sweet, sultry vocal. Hello, Allison. Hi, how are you? I'm good now. I feel like I have to talk into that voice. And and let me just say, I know that voice, the sultry vocal, very well, because I have listened to every single episode of your podcast, Dear Hollywood. Ooh. You're so engaging and articulate, and you do go Likewise. so deep. I would hang on to that thought, Allison, because let's just, on your podcast, you take a deep dive into child stardom and the devastating mm-hmm. impact it can have on kids and show business in an effort mm-hmm. to help change the status quo. On my mm-hmm. podcast, I use air horn sound effects and talk a lot about Pitbull. So we're both doing important work here. Yes, yes. and you are healing the masses in your own unique way. And I listened to several episodes this morning before our chat, and it was delicious to hear your voice. And now to have it in real time is oh, a gift. That's what you get for that. That's it. Right, right out of the gate. That's what you get. You know what you're in for, and I appreciate that. And I want to go there with you because, like, first of all, you know, you are so open with everything that you experienced as a child and into adulthood. Can I just ask, like, what made you want to come out with this podcast in particular and share everything? Absolutely. So we've seen a number of documentaries and memoirs released, and typically we focus on the horror stories. It's the same spiel over and over, but no one has ever examined why it happens or how it unfolds. And so being the engineer I am um, informally, I wanted to dissect this and dismantle it, and particularly so that 
other young performers in the current generation can be better protected. I don't need folks to listen to this to have pity for my story. Thankfully, I've been in therapy for 15 years, so we've <laughs> been processing this for a long time. Yes. It's not news to me. Yes. Um, but it's fascinating for people who aren't in the industry to hear what's actually going on behind closed doors and to recognize they're actually a part of the conversation as well. So this goes real deep. 100%. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to dive so deep into the podcast. Before we do mm. that, to quote your Cheaper by the Dozen 2 co-star uh, Hillary Duff, let's Perfect. go back, back to the beginning. <clears throat> yes. I think my vocals were on par with hers, actually, to be honest. <laughs> How did you go? <laughs> sorry, sorry. We can cut that out. I said it, not Allison. It's true. You did say it. I can confirm you said it. Thank you so much. <laughs> How did you go from being you're born in Ohio to mm -hmm. performing at three, working in Hollywood by seven? How does mm -hmm. that happen? Uh, not with a, a clear-cut plan and strategy, that's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, yes, born and raised in Toledo, quite a normal life. Um, parents were supportive of all of us siblings pursuing different hobbies. I happened to find myself attending a, a dance studio uh, convention and then this modeling and talent convention, thinking it was, you know, the same way you'd approach a hockey tournament or, you know, just something you do for fun. It's a cool experience, maybe exposure to new places, people, and then you go home and you live your normal life. Right. Well, Allison went to New York and for whatever reason, competed in these categories, received, you know, positive feedback and was strongly encouraged to go out to Los Angeles mm. and give it a shot. We had no reference point. We have no one affiliated with entertainment. We don't know what we're doing. Got it. So we show up and we start auditioning. We, meaning my mother and I are out there and I book pretty quickly. And that means instead of having any kind of slow process, I am now kind of catapulted into these contractual obligations, these professional settings, this you know, excessive kind of training schedule, and we're off to the races. And it never stops once it wow. starts. So had we had any kind of um, background information prior, I think we would have made a lot of different decisions. But I will say, you know, most parents and families are just trying to be supportive. Right. You just don't know what you're getting into. That's so interesting because it's not like you had some Hollywood showbiz mom, momager pushing you, right? You're, she's not Kris mm -hmm. Jennering you. She's mm -hmm. an Ohio mom who just wants to support her kid who has a dream and kind of goes along with it. But because you were successful so fast, suddenly you're in it. And and not to say there wasn't tons of rejection and tons of time when I was unemployed, quote unquote. I mean, I was a minor, so that's an interesting <gasps> yes, word to oh use. God. <gasps> yeah, I mean, but, my three kids have been unemployed since birth. It's embarrassing, Allison. I know. Mm. It's time. Yeah. I can teach them a couple of things. <laughs> if they need to learn how to be machines, Please. Uh, it's... They're so lazy. <laughs> right. It's so you you go through the ups and downs. But since then, you have been in over 200 TV shows, commercials, movies. You've been in Cheaper by the Dozen, Camp Rock, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, That's So Raven, the Missy Elliott videos, which <laughs> don't think I didn't watch. 
your 2019 performance at the VMAs with her like 700 times Aww. when that happened. What? That so special. Uh, wait. Look, can I just ask you about Missy Elliott for a hot minute? Because I know we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the people and the things that weren't great. But please tell me Missy was great. Missy's truly a gem. There is not a, a single negative experience <sighs> I have with her. Her team also so supportive. One of the most special experiences, unexpected, you know, to be a, a young kid from Toledo suddenly in a rap music video <laughs> or three or five <laughs> and, you know, doing like MTV's spring break where everyone's in bikinis, like you know, some questionable environments perhaps yes. um, mm. for young people. But for the most part, Missy was lovely. That's really, do you hear this? That's a sigh. That's a sigh of relief. Thank you for that. So what was sort of peak for you as a kid? What was the moment for you where you thought like, I made it? Wow. Well, interestingly, I think when you're in the thick of it, you're kind of chasing after the next level. And as a minor, there's this fear that when you turn 18, it's all going to unravel if you don't have some kind of massive breakthrough moment. So I didn't ever think that I had made it. I thought maybe I was beginning to make it when I had, I think it was four or five films coming out in a year. And I thought, okay, there's momentum building, but this doesn't necessarily translate to me being hireable as an adult. So um, there was no sense of a guarantee. It was always like, you know, you're only as good as your most recent job. So from the outside, it looks a lot different than how it is on the inside, I think. You're on the hamster wheel, right? That's so interesting. You feel that even as a kid, you feel that pressure of puberty coming up and you feel that pressure of how am I going to make it as an adult? You can't even sit back and enjoy, you know, Mm. the fact that you have Skittles in your dressing room. Like you're still thinking (laughs) about the next thing. Yeah, yeah. So so, uh, so you, you said it. I mean, from the outside, it really does seem like you have it all. But at 17, you wrote an op ed about how you checked yourself into rehab for stress, for Mm -hmm. exhaustion, for being 20 pounds underweight. And is it true that at that time your team didn't even want you to step away, even if it was to get the help that you needed? Correct. There's this fear and this scarcity mentality in the industry that if you take a break, you will be forgotten and that jeopardizes, you know, your chances of future bookings XYZ. And so to take a time period like two or three months off when I hadn't ever taken a break since six years old was a significant uh, amount of time to request. And they were nervous because I was approaching 18 and I needed that kind of breakthrough moment. And it hadn't yet happened. But at that point, my health was reaching quite a, a dire state. So stepped away. And yes, my team, even while I was on bed rest in rehab, sent me an audition and was like, can you put yourself on tape? You know, and I'm like, okay, if this doesn't showcase (laughs) the lack of boundaries. Um, So that was, and I did, I tried. I asked the therapist for an exception um, to make an exception. I went to another room and I was like, wait a second, I'm in rehab to get better, not to bend to the industry I think I'm going to say no. That was a hard decision to make, but oof, it was like the start of a new pathway for my life, learning how to advocate for my health. Well, 
let's get on that new pathway together. Yeah. And I often say that Heidi and Spencer, do you know who they are? From the reality TV years, maybe early 2000s? Yes, that's correct, Allison. From the hills in the early 2000s. I think of them as having the worst kind of fame because they're so Mm. well known. They can't do anything else. They're kind of trapped having to try to maintain some level Mm. of notoriety to make a living. But for a child actor like you, not only are you so well known, like, correct me if I'm not at that point, you can't leave the house without being stopped or recognized. Sure. And that continues to this day, even though I don't have new projects because our projects are still in syndication. So new generations are still growing up with us. We're still raising children out there. (laughs) Right. And and the craziest thing is, is that that's all you know. So how do you even proceed? Well, what's interesting is we're using our adult brains to have this conversation. (gasps) But as a child, you actually, at certain stages of development, do not even have fully formed logic, right? Mm. You don't have rationality and reason to contend with your environment, nor do you have any other map of reality to compare and contrast your experiences, nor do you even have... um, an awareness of what it means to build healthy, safe, secure, trusting relationships with the people around you. So now you're in an environment where adults around you are, you know, on your payroll and you're providing for them. You're in environments where you're playing a bunch of different characters and your brain actually doesn't yet know how to differentiate between reality and fantasy, Mm. literally from a Mm. cognitive developmental standpoint, then let's say you experience fame. Well, now you walk outside and you don't know anyone else's name because they're strangers, but they know your name and they actually feel completely comfortable coming up to you, touching you, hugging you, asking for photos. Like it's just a total abnormal map of reality that a child is getting at a time when they don't even have the cognitive apparatus to make sense of it. Yes. And therefore, you know, you ask children in the moment, like, how's it going? And a lot of us are saying, it's amazing. This is all exciting. I mean, we're not only trained to say that, but also we don't have any other reference point. We're kind of riding a high for now. We have no idea that at 18, for a lot of us, it's going to crash. Yeah. Um, And we don't have other basic life skills even because all we know is performing on cue. So it's just, it's a, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre lifestyle for sure. (laughs) Not to get get into legal contracts. That's another thing where you're like, wait, this company owns my name, likeness and appearance and can put my face on underwear without me knowing and make money off of it. But I won't make any of the money, but I don't even know what money is because I'm seven. It's uh, it's interesting. Wait, whoa, huh? What was your face? Is your face at any point in your career on underwear? My peers' faces, yes. Wow. Mine, to my knowledge, no. But I did have a Barbie doll made after me, which I didn't know about until I saw it in the store. No. And didn't see a cent of that one. Oh, <laughs> my God. So let's just dive into everything that you're unpacking on the podcast, Dear Hollywood. You say that you you launched the podcast after 10 years of investigating something you call the toddler to train wreck pipeline. I know mm-hmm. it's complex, but can you explain that a little bit? Sure. So I named it the toddler to train wreck pipeline because we often witness this repeated downfall of young performers having a moment of undoing some major breakdown. Mm. 
And, uh, and I wanted to examine, are there, from a research standpoint, are there any correlations between the child performing or high performing children experience and, you know, mental health struggles. And it's fascinating. I'll tell you a couple statistics that blew my mind. Please. Um, experiencing fame, um, can actually shorten your lifespan by between 12 and 14 years, uh, because of a variety of factors, but in and of itself, the average lifespan of a famous person is over a decade shorter than a non-famous person. Oh my God. Second, experiencing fame can increase your chances of dying by suicide by four times. Oh. And so we're looking at real implications mm -hmm. here. And then think about this. Fame has now, from a research standpoint, been proven to have the same effects as uh, being addicted to drugs. So if that's the truth and we're exposing a child to a brain altering, life altering drug at a young age, yeah. what do we expect from a young kid star? And that's just the fame aspect. That doesn't even talk about the financial exploitation, the legal issues, the family dynamics, um, even just a person's personal mental well-being and, and temperament and, you know, their own personal needs. Yes. One thing that I that is so fascinating that you talk about on the podcast, which also relates to our own childhoods, the way we raise our children, is you talk about body autonomy and access with child stars. Can you talk a little bit more about what you experienced with this and why that's so important to be aware of with kids? Yes. So bodily autonomy, you know, understanding that you have agency over what you do and don't do with yeah. your own body as a child is complicated. Of course, you know, adults are making a lot of decisions for you and on your behalf. However, in the industry, there's this paradox of extremes where on the one hand, a child is an environment on set where, you know, people have access to their physical body. You know, they're like touching kids, because they're, they need to put a mic pack on you or hair and makeup is kind of in your face, touching your lips, just wardrobe people um, measuring, you know, near your private parts. And you start to receive this kind of subliminal message that, oh, I just need to kind of give of myself to whomever, however, whenever they ask. And so there's that kind of access that the world gains to the child performer but simultaneously, there's this access that the child performer gains in, into having power and status and privilege and luxury. And it's this distortion around like boundaries. And, you know, on the one hand, you feel voiceless because someone can just speak about you, speak for you, treat you a certain way, and you have no power. And then on the other hand, you're walking into spaces and going, yeah, I'd like to buy that yacht. Yep, I'd like to buy that thing. And and you've got a culture of yes people saying, okay, whatever keeps the kid happy, whatever keeps the kid happy. So it's a very distorted uh, map of reality for a young person. And, you know, you see some young performers feel very entitled by their access. But on the other hand, you see a lot of performers who feel like they have no sense of se authentic self because all they've done their whole lives so far is be a chameleon for whoever is around them. And whatever the person that asks for, we give them. Mm. We go into auditions day after day and we say, what do you need from us? And how can we cry on cue? Oh my God. How can we give you ourselves to get the reward of your attention, 
booking the job. You know, it's 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 yes. just it's a, a set of extremes. I don't know how that sounds to you, but it sounds extreme no, to me. This is I'm even having an epiphany about this listening to you now beyond what what I what I've been thinking listening to the podcast because as a, as a parent, I'm just trying to give my children a safe space to figure out who they are. What do you mm. like? Who are you? I have identical twins, so that sort of search for identity is heightened. Yeah. But as a child right. performer, you don't even have that opportunity because you're always trying to figure out who you are, A, as a character on set that day, but who you have to be for this director and for this studio head and for this assistant, right? You're never mm. just being you. And then add on public criticism and commentary. Uh, and in listening to the podcast, it really struck me uh, as a comedian and a television host how many times I have probably made thoughtless jokes about an Amanda Bynes or a Lindsay Lohan. Like, I definitely went after right. Justin Bieber endlessly during his peeing in mop buckets phase. What do I you missed think? That one. Oh, what? Oh, he was 19 I, I years have... old. Oh, yeah, I'm totally... I don't have a TV <gasps> and I don't have Netflix, so I don't know what is going on oh, in Allison, pop culture. Good for you. Good for you. You just need to listen to my pod and I'll fill you in. Um, I learned a lot, actually, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> good. I'm so honored. What do you think is wrong with us as a culture? Like, why have we never had compassion for child stars who have suffered as adults as a result? The first thing you want to do is disdain this young person who seemingly had everything handed to them. Mm. Also, it's it's hard when people are just trying to get by in their day-to-day -day lives to be like, wait, we're you're asking me to have compassion for a celebrity who just peed in a mop bucket, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I'm trying to just like get money for childcare and I'm working three jobs, like give me a break. Mm. So to be clear, that is not what I'm aiming for with the podcast. I think there's a deeper conversation that needs to happen where we start to look at all of the details y'all have never been privy to. I just want to tell you, this is ex like this is what's actually happening behind the scenes. And then I think you'll go, oh, wait, wait, wait. We've been looking at this through a very narrow lens. This is not actually what was going on. Um, and then, and then when you see outlandish or reckless behavior, you're like not surprised by it. You're just like, ah, okay, yep, that makes sense. So what can we do better next time? There's a lot to glean from here. Like I said, that has you know, nothing to do with pitying child stars and everything to do with just creating safer spaces for humans to exist. Oh, I and love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you, on, on your most recent episode, you break down why child stars can sometimes, not always, but sometimes become assholes. You say it much sure. more eloquently than that. But for the first time ever, <laughs> I sort of understood why he was peeing yeah. in that mop bucket. I'll send you the video after this. Um, and so in order for my phonies to better understand sort of the Hollywood culture that enables children and can turn mm. them into self-centered narcissists, mm. I would like to play a rapid fire game I'm calling I Spy With My Little Eye. I spy with my little eye. Okay, so I'm going to just list some outlandish things that you may or may not have witnessed or even done yourself as a child star, child being defined as anyone under 18. You tell me if you've spied them and feel free to go into detail. Okay. Are you oh, ready? No. <laughs> Here we go. A child buying their parents a house. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. And a lot of children actually feel obligated, right? Because your parent has sacrificed so much for you. And depending on the dynamic, you also want to win their approval because you're still at an age where you're like an extension of who they are. So yes. A child buying themselves a car before they could even drive it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And after being able to drive it, what's the craziest car you witnessed being purchased by a child? Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And I I ended up waiting a little bit and then I got a Toyota RAV4. Woot woot. That's right, they did. (laughs) Yeah, definitely uh, kept it nice and simple. And, you know, was I a kid star or was I um, like a soccer mom? I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. A child star going clubbing. Oh, all the time. What's most fascinating to me in those situations is when you ask the bouncer and the publicist and the other adults in the environments what they think about it, and they're all in on it together. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're here to protect their image. So whatever they want to do, we'll make them still look good. We'll make sure no one takes photos of them doing their things. And it's so weird and so uncomfortable because the adults mingle with the kids as if they're adults. And you're like, this is a recipe for disaster and it is (gasps) okay so i feel i know your answer to the next one a child being served alcohol underage oh yeah but but let's talk about the environment it's like not just at a club like sometimes you're on set and people are like you know drinking on the jab no um yeah come on that's wild okay a child bossing around their parents yeah So people talk about grooming children in entertainment industry. It happens to the parents as well. People don't think about this. So producers will get into the parent's ear. And if the parent doesn't have a strong spine and sense of self and parameters of what they will and won't do going into this, you can have really clever, manipulative folks getting into the parent's ear just as much as the kid's promising certain things that can happen for the kid's career if they just xyz so yes the boundary (gasps) setting is not just you know an issue with kids like the parents are getting groomed as well oh my gosh and that is how you play i spy with my little eye i spy with my little eye hope you learned some things Thank you for humanizing, but also for exposing us. Because I guess, like, my question is when you're given all those things as a kid, how Mm -hmm. does that impact you as you're going into moving into adulthood? Like, how does that lead to peeing in a mop bucket at 19 or having a very public breakdown, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I think the answer that I want to share right now is we have to balance this um, image of excess with the other half of the story, which is a lot of other challenging things going on behind closed doors. Mm. If we only are looking at the power and the privilege, we're actually missing um, what's happening in terms of, you know, kids experiencing a variety of kinds of abuse, um, exploitation, excessive work hours. Um, There are a lot of other elements here. So we just have to look at all of the pieces of the puzzle. And I think that'll help us make sense of you know, why so many young performers end up having severe challenges. And I'm excited for being able to branch out beyond kid actors and then start looking at kid athletes, you know, looking at high-performing children in the academic space. It occurred to me as well, like children of reality television stars. I literally watched Kourtney Kardashian pull a baby out of herself, and I've watched that child 
grow up on television yeah. ever since. I mean, there have right. to be similar effects on those kids uh, as well. They literally have no other map of reality. Right. Imagine not knowing any other life than being filmed your whole life. It's, I can't even fathom. I, I started at six and I still feel like it, it would be a shock mm -hmm. to try and fathom only knowing a version of the Truman Show I, right. as your reality. Yes. Mm -hmm. So then how do you respond to people who say like, well, look at you, you know, Allison, they have this incredible podcast. Look at the Olsen twins <laughs> or the Harry Potter kids. They turned out fine. Sure. Because you don't know all of the medical diagnoses I have and live with on a daily basis mm. or the 15 years of therapy and the, you know, interpersonal neurobiology course I'm in understanding parent and child attachment and all of the, you know, you don't, yes. we don't, you don't know everything going on in our lives and I don't know what's going on in yours. And it's not one, not one to compare challenges here, but there are definitely severe and deep consequences um, that have resulted from my, my early experiences in the industry. And, and I will live with some of those uh, scars and health issues forever. Um, and then some of them I can actually, you know, heal from and move forward from. So, you know, it's, it just happens to be, that was my early childhood experience and I'm making sense of it and trying to do my best to, you know, make the, the world a better place uh, yeah. for other young kids. You really are. And that, and like, <laughs> that's the warmest, that's a warm round of applause here on this show. That, that air oh. horn sound effect, truly. Alison Stoner, you are, first of all, like, you're just, you're, you're doing an amazing thing and you are so open and honest in doing it. And the success that you've had with this podcast is so well deserved. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there listening to new episodes. They drop yeah. every single Friday. Dear Hollywood is out wherever you get your podcast and follow Alison on everything at Alison Stoner. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it was a joy, a uh, true pleasure. Uh, was it a pleasure? Was it? it did was you? Tr truly. Okay. Truly. All right. Thank you so much for your sweet, sultry voice. I'm going to say it right now. Most delightful voice I've ever had on the show. Ah, oh, that is so sweet. And now we just have to hang up the phone and say bye. Oh, okay. okay. Talk, Talk to, to you, you soon. soon. Bye. Alison Stoner, what? Sweetest, sultriest voice we have ever been blessed with in 30 episodes. I mean, sorry, Sean Desmond, you are a close second, but wow. And can I just say, I have an intelligence crush on Alison Stoner. So smart, so thoughtful, insightful, so fearless. And I really feel inspired to finally talk about this reckoning that's happening around parents posting their kids on social media because I have been doing it since they were born. Am I fucking them up for life? We'll discuss next week. I will channel the fearlessness of Allison Stoner and go there. But first, after the break, I'm forced to reveal my Hollywood Hall Pass. If you don't know what a Hall Pass is, it's the celebrity your partner would allow you to bang. Even on a Venice canal in broad daylight. I reveal mine next. Commercial 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're back. And these messages are getting more and more scandalous. And I kind of love it, phonies. Let's check my voicemail. Check, check, check your voicemail. Hi, Jesse. It's Krista calling from London, Ontario. Um, on your podcast, you mentioned about a hall pass. So I wondered if you could have a hall pass, who would the three people be that you would choose? Which three celebrities would you choose for your hall pass? Thanks, and I like listening to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Krista from London. Listen, I love Krista from London, right to the point. Thanks, and I like listening to your podcast. She didn't give me a love. She's not ready. She likes it. I appreciate you, Krista. Three people, Jason, three hall passes, not one, three. Gotta say, very hard to choose three when there are five Backstreet Boys. Very challenging. If you've seen my live show, you know this is a very real dilemma that I've thought long and hard about, and I unpack it live on stage. So we're going to take the Backstreet Boys out of the equation for today. I'm going to start with Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely on the list in his prime brooding heartthrob in Titanic era or his dad bought on a yacht era. I will take him any way he comes. He's always going to be number one on my list or number my number one hall pass, if you will. Are you okay with that answer, Jason? Yes. <laughs> I ask you that because I've been trying to pitch Jason a segment called Yacht Boy Summer where I just discuss Leonardo DiCaprio on yachts and he keeps rejecting it. So maybe I'll, well, I'll keep pitching you. I don't care if it's September, October, November. We're going to Yacht Boy Summer will happen. Now, I'm currently mid-season two of The Bear, the show The Bear, and I'm very into Jeremy Allen White, which we've also discussed on this podcast, so I will put him at number two on my list. But I'll also acknowledge that he does look like my son, Rio, and I I do think he's (laughs) five foot five, so I would very much be the Sophie Turner to his Joe Jonas. Might not work in the long term, but as a hall pass, I think it works. Not against it. (laughs) Okay, not against it. Thank you. Okay, and then finally... I, this is hard. I have a. Sh- Do you want to hear my short list? Okay. <laughs> I have a short list that's like it's very it's varied. Michael B. Jordan on the short list. John Krasinski. It's a hard turn there. 
Taylor Hansen, also on the short list. Donald Glover, who I sort of love, is oh. definitely in there. Channing Tatum, I'm going to throw on because please. I mean, if he's good enough for Zoe Kravitz, he's good enough for me. I really have the taste of Ariana Grande. I'm just all over the damn place. But I've narrowed it down. My third hall pass position, Krista, in London, Ontario, is going to Michael Huisman. Jason, do you know who this is? I don't think so. Google him immediately. Michael Huisman. Okay, if you don't know this man, I think he's Dutch. He was the love interest in The Flight Attendant. Jay, remember that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like nude a lot in Game of Thrones. I never watched Game of Thrones when Evan did, but one day I was passing through the living room and I saw Michael Huisman's bare bum. And suddenly I was like, so what's the plot? Who are these dragons? What's going to happen at this wedding? I was very invested. To me, he's the peak version of my type, which is tall, floppy hair, big features, nice pronounced nose. He's essentially the man I married, but like a Hollywood version of Evan. And he's absolutely my hall pass. So that's, there you go. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Allen White, and Michael Fleisman. Leading men and then like a weird featured character actor. (laughs) Jason, did you Google? Yeah. Oh, approved. Approved. Yeah. Approved. I mean, have you gotten to the shirtless images, the stills from Game of Thrones, <laughs> no. and or some like, okay, well, continue scrolling on that image search. It will prove fruitful. Thank you for your call, Krista. I'm glad you like the podcast over there in London. And that's our show. Huge thanks to Alison Stoner. I-, I think in honor of our girl Beyonce's birthday, we have to close out this show as she closes out hers, Jason. We have to go summer renaissance. Good one. Here we go. We'll just let it kind of surge here. And sorry, I'm just, I'm uh, I'm mounting the silver horse right now. I'm just putting on my silver bustier. And now I am flying through the sky and descending over uh, the listeners saying, thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving those five-star reviews. They mean the world. Thank you to Jason as always. Thank you. Jay, am I permitted to tell our phonies who's on the show next week? Yes, because it's a good one. Oh, it's such a good one. Next week, I am calling Fifi Dobson, the Canadian emo Beyonce. I'm so excited. And I am nervous. I'm. You're excited. I'm, like, very intimidated by her. I've never met her. I just think she's legitimately way cooler than me. So if I get all nervous and say dumb things, just apologies in advance. That's happening next Thursday. Have a great week, Chase. You too. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. was created by our mom, Jessie Crookson. The executive producers are Jessie Crookson and Jason Yanba. The technical producer is Rob Perra. The amazing theme song and sexy interludes are by Jay Melanowski from Badwin Sound Clash. Phone a Friend is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Credits are by us, Ray Gatika and Real Gatika. We're her kids. That's crazy, right? 
Wow, you're still listening? Okay, see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.